All right. Today's uh, passage is from the letter of Paul to the Romans in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. It's good to be back. Uh, I Somebody asked me in the first service, how was vacation? I said, that was good. You know, we, you guys you know what it's like. I slept in. I stayed up late. I ate a lot of good food. I probably put on at least, I don't know, hopefully not more than three or four pounds. <laughs> um, my, for those of you who don't know, my, my in-laws live in, um, in the New York, New Jersey area. So we were out there visiting them. And so we took this one day, went into Manhattan. And it, it's, okay, I know it looks different, but it's, it's really the same. It's just busier. It's super expensive. There's so much money there. <laughs> I was like, wow, it's crazy. There's so much money here. Um, so that was vacation, but honestly, I'm, I'm, I need a vacation for my vacation. I'm glad to be back at work, <laughs> and I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad to be with you. This is, a, this is the first Sunday of the year, and I like to, at the, at the beginning of the year, um, to re- refresh the things that are most important. And uh, we'll give you a brief series that I like to call the New Hope Vision 2016, and, uh, well, it's only called 2016. The vision doesn't really change, but it's just that we're just preaching it a little differently this year than I did last year. And um, today, uh, I love today, you know, all the, the super busyness of the holiday season has passed. A, a chapter turns, and now we can go back to just the more the straight bread and butter of church. And at the core of church is the gospel. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the gospel. Um, in three parts. Part one, um, I'm just going to go through and unpack. I love these verses. I love these uh, sermons where I can really just preach basically one verse. I know I gave you two verses, but I'm really only preaching one and not even the whole verse. And um, there are many verses in the Bible, obviously. You know that. But they're not all equal. And this one, this one's one of those up there. And... Uh, I hope that many of you will actually even memorize this verse. We're, we're planning to put this verse up here on the wall. Uh, it's that important. And um, over these next few weeks, I'm going to unpack this verse for you. And it says here, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Part one, not ashamed. There are many reasons why um, people who believe in Jesus might want to feel tempted to feel ashamed. There's a lot of opposition. There's even hatred. Um, there is certainly is disdain for what we believe. So there is reason. Maybe you might, some of you, I, I don't know how many of you feel ashamed sometimes that you believe in Jesus. And some of you may not believe in Jesus. You're thinking, yes, they should be ashamed because they're dumb people. Okay, and I don't even know what I'm doing here. Okay, but... Um, That's what I want to talk about. I am not ashamed. Part two, the word of life from God, and that's called the gospel. There is a message, and 
It isn't a complex thing. Some people, there's a lot of different confusion about what the gospel is. But really, at its most fundamental thing, it's, a, it's fairly simple, actually. It's a message. It's a word. And it's a word that's not from man. Men couldn't have made this up. Nobody would have made this up. It's too weird. It's too, it's actually too offensive. And it's too, you can't make this up. It's from God. And it's called the gospel. And I know that sounds like a really religion-y kind of word. But gospel just means news. Actually, the very best news. It just means good news. Incredibly good news. Of what God has done for us, which we could not do for ourselves. That's part two. The word of life from God, the gospel. And part three, it says here that there is a power. That's what I'm going to talk about. The power of God from salvation. A lot of people think all we do here is just talk. It's not. There's power. There's a lot of power to do incredible things. And I want to talk a little bit about that power in part three. Okay. Part one, um, not ashamed. Um, if you, actually let me, if you have your bulletin, take a quick look at it. And at the top there, this is uh, what we stand for. This is a little nugget of what we stand for, the Jesus-centered family. That's who we are. We're a family, not based on blood, um, not based on ethnicity, but we're based on Jesus. And we have a mission. We cross generations and cultures through the message of what God has done for us through Jesus called the gospel. And today, I want to talk about the gospel, which is, that's the part where it says Jesus-centered. Now, it says here, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The guy who wrote this is a guy named Paul. Paul is one of the first pastors, uh, and he, we call, which we call the apostle. And he actually wrote this in prison. And um, already, people were hating what was being taught by Christians. Um, what Christianity, the core of Christianity, the gospel. And um, back then, uh, it's, uh, they thought that it was a completely weird and strange sectarian religion. They thought it was completely outrageous for thinking this is the only way to God. They thought its sexual ethic was completely stupid and offensive. And they thought that if you inject this and then it stirs up people in the public square, we need to shut these people up. So they threw him into jail. All of that has changed so much, hasn't it? (laughs) No, it hasn't changed a lot. Um, There are many people today who really oppose Christianity. Um, And the world, this is how really sick we are. We have this word called sin. A lot of people think sin means just doing something that's bad against the rules. It's not. It means we're so sick We're in our heart, in our soul, we're so blind and we're so prideful and we're so stuffed up that we are actually running away from God and we actually hate and despise the things that actually will bring us from to God or from God. And there are just there are many reasons why people today might want to feel ashamed of being Christian or believing in the gospel. I can give you a lot, but I'm just gonna let's just hit three of them. Okay, this is the beginning of the new year, and usually, almost all the Christians, if you really believe in God, you know these are out there, you know these are out there, this is why people don't like us, why they don't like the church, they don't like the Bible, Jesus, all that other business, but um, let's just put them out there, uh, beginning of the new year, I think this is a good way to think, because 
I hope in this church, if you believe in what we believe, the gospel, that you can say like Paul, I'm not ashamed. Indeed, the whole world boasts of all kinds of things. It's very normal in this world for people to boast like, I'm good looking, and you know, they, they, they do themselves up. All right? And then, or they, put, they go and buy these specific kind of clothes, and the clothes don't just look nice, and they don't just cover us up. They boast, I'm somebody. We drive certain cars, or we, we root for certain teams. We're the champions. This is the best. Now, it's kind of hard to say in our city because we're clearly not the champions. And so I hope none of you had any problems getting to the church today because there was no real traffic, which is awesome. Okay? Um, but that's the kinds of things that uh, everybody likes to boast in. But um, I hope in our church, um, not only are we not ashamed of the gospel, I hope that we only have one boast, and that's of our Savior. That's Jesus is. Um, some reasons why we might, why some of us might want to feel ashamed of the gospel. Our culture, so first one, our culture believes that religion should just be private. It should be, you just keep it in your house, and you just keep it with your people. And so, Christians stay over there, and the Jews over there, and the Muslims do your thing over there, the Mormons, you name it. Buddhists, you keep that stuff over there, and um, it's a private thing. And what they don't want is they don't want anybody putting their religion and making it out here in the public so that all these other people can hear it and deal with it, and then like maybe some people will believe in it. Um, because if a lot of people say their religions out loud, it might get divisive. But there's another reason, which is true. But there's another reason why our society wants to deem it just private, and that's basically because the powerful and educated people in our society largely think that these ideas about God and religion is irrelevant. In fact, um, when they're a little more honest, they'll just say it's a fairy tale. You keep your fairy tale to yourself. The real stuff happens out here. The real stuff is the stuff that's public, not private. The public things have to do with things like who's going to get elected and which companies are doing really well and who's in control and where's the money and, and who's hot and who's got the, 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 the most sexy person lately and what are, what, what is the greatest movies, all that. That's all public stuff. That's the things that are real. But you religionists, and especially Christians, especially you Christians, um, they want us to basically just stay in our little corners and be quiet. But it's really strange because everywhere else in the whole world, and even throughout history, um, nobody thought religion is a private thing. Nobody. Everywhere you go, and you'll just see this, if any of you just travel, it's just it's incredibly obvious Religion is really, it's not just some, a, a set of weird practices that people just go do on like an hour and a half on a Sunday morning or a Saturday or whatever it is that, that, that they go, people practice their religion thing. Really what it is, is the deep meaning, the deepest, most important meaning of life. That's really what it is. And of course, if that's really what it's about... It can't be just stays in little houses of worship, so little weird religious buildings in people's houses. It's profoundly relevant to everything. But all the people who want to think, okay, this is just fairy tales. You just keep your fairy tales. We, 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 we control the, the, 
the real stuff, they actually have a religion too. <laughs> they just don't call it that. But it's a religion. It has all the makings of a religion. It has a, a, a story where we're from. Right? And they have a, these uh, high priests that we call scientists, but they're not actually scientists. They're actually priests. <laughs> they are. And because they tell you, this is where we come from, and they can't prove it, but it's a creation story, and in different places they call it neo-Darwinistic evolution. That's a more technical name for it. They'll tell you where we're going. Oh, where we're going is we'll all get really educated, we'll all get really smart, and there'll be no more wars, and we'll get rid of all the poverty, and there'll be no more racism, and there'll be no more suicides and depression, and all this kinds of stuff. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. So they know where we're going. And, um, and they have doctrines. <laughs> they have rights and wrongs. And if you break one of them, you're in trouble. <laughs> See? That's religion. I don't know what you want to call that. And there's temples for it and everything. So, um, but if you actually believe in this, see, it can't stay private. It has to go out there. If what we believe is actually true, it's actually true. And it can actually do what this word says. The salvation, the power for salvation for everyone who believes. Are not, just, not just Caucasian folks who has, whose, whose ancestry is from Europe. Not just odd you know, Asians, or, you know, the majority of folks maybe in this room are of, of Korean descent who have this thing about Jesus. Okay? But for everyone who believes... If it's for everyone who believes, it's incredibly public. And guess what? Some religions are content to just put their thing in a little corner. But if it's really true for everyone, then we have to start sharing it. And it, people hate that, that we go out and try to share it. Even just do even just simple things in public. And we get bashed for it. That's the first one. Because... We actually dare to think this is really relevant to everyone. It's a reason to be, maybe one reason to be ashamed, and people don't like that. I mean, the second one. Um, this one's a little bit more obvious. I said that uh, the, the, the religion in the public square today, I'll give a name for it, we'll call it secularism, or agnosticism, or nothingism. I don't know, they're all the same. But basically, it's a religion of man. We're, we will be smart enough with our tools and our education and we're wise enough and with our righteousness and we will heal the whole world. That's a religion. And there's doctrines for it too. Um, so this one is one, the second one here that I want to point out, one of the reasons why is um, uh, they have a doctrine that says you can have sex with anyone you want as long as it's consensual. That's it. And if you disagree with that, you better shut up. Because if you disagree with that and say so, guess what? They'll come down on you because that's what religions do. All worldviews, if it's important enough, if you disagree with it, guess what? They will make sure they know you're wrong. So just like here, it's not just a weird thing that only Christians do or only Jews do or only Buddhists do. Secular people do it too. And you guys all know this is true. If you stay at your work, hey, just make a little comment about something that is about sexuality, some of you, you know you can get fired for it. Or at least everybody in your work group will stop talking to you. 
I don't know if any of you have heard this story, but um, our pastor, Pastor Young, he told this really terrible story to um, the, the pastors. Uh, um, one of his daughters, she's in sixth grade, and she's new. So, you know, they only moved here about, what, six, seven months ago. She's new in her school, and she's making some new friends, and somehow the issue of homosexuality came up. And, you know, this is their sixth grader, so they're not having some deep, they're not having some kind of deep conversation about it. They just start talking about it. And um, this is, so are, are you pro-gay? And, and his daughter is Christian, so she said, well, no, I'm a Christian, and I don't think that's right. And this is her friend, her new friend. You know what her reaction was? She slapped her at school. There's a little indicator. It's so the religion of man is being spread quite well through the schools, and that girl knew to have the quote-unquote right reaction of her religion and slapped this new girl at school who's actually just because she's a Christian. And you guys know that's not just a thing for kids. That's, we're dealing with it too so as adults. It's a reason to be maybe ashamed. We don't easily say, I'm a Christian and own that I believe in Jesus. Give me a third reason. And actually, if those first two weren't uh, tough enough, this one's probably the most offensive of all. Um, this third reason why it may be easy to be ashamed of the gospel is that uh, we believe in something that everybody else considers completely outrageous. We believe that Jesus, that the gospel, the gospel which proclaims Jesus Christ, who crucified on the cross for our sins, was risen to give us new life, that he alone is the one way to be saved. And all the other ways aren't going to make it. We believe that. And that is outrageously offensive to everybody else. Um, people think, I know smart people. I know good people. And a lot of people I know are better than these jerky Christians that I you know, I've been to church, and those people are jerks. I hate them. Right? And a lot of the people I know who aren't Christians, they're better people than you guys. And to that, let me just say, that is true. <laughs> okay? No argument. That is completely correct. Um, there are many people who are not Christians who are flat out better people than the Christians. Um, and they think that when we do this, we're really narrow and we're really arrogant. And a lot of people think that the only reason that they, we're better than everybody else, actually, that's not what we believe at all. We believe that in order to be saved, you have to believe in the gospel. And it's really the gospel is that none of us could save ourselves. None of us could heal ourselves. None of us could redeem our neighbors. Heck, we can't even get over depression or like greed or, or like, you know, like porn addiction or something. We can't even do these things, let alone save ourselves. And... When a church that really believes in us will admit these things. And you'll say, oh, you think I'm a jerk. Guilty as charged. How can I change? I'm sorry. I hope that's the way, that's how a real Christian should be. Because actually, this is a really strange thing. 
the people who become Christians, sometimes they're the worst people. <laughs> and because they're the worst people, they know, they actually know they can't fix themselves. And that's why they turn to Jesus through the gospel. Huh? That's why. Huh? Anyway, that's part one of my message. Not ashamed. Um, there are plenty of reasons why we might get ashamed if we're worried about what all the other people think. But actually, if you just see the world for what it is, I hope you'll realize, actually, there's a huge reason. Not only should we not be ashamed, we have one reason to boast. And we have one boast. And that's Jesus. Let's go to part two. Um, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is a word. It doesn't look powerful. A lot of people think, what's the gospel? What's the, what, what's the, even people who grew up in church, if you ask them, hey, tell me what the gospel is, they're like, mm, it's a, all this Christian stuff that we do. No. The gospel isn't stuff we do. You can't, it's not all these things that we do. We don't believe in what we even do. No, we don't. Because we only believe in what has been done. The gospel is a message of something that has been accomplished for us. You can say it in a number of different ways. It is the message. It is a set of words. And so even a, a four-year-old could say the gospel. It's God loved us, so he sent Jesus to save us. That's the gospel. Human beings are so sinful, there's no way we can make it. And so God came to be with us and heal us through Jesus. That's the gospel. That's it. That's the gospel. Doesn't seem like much, does it? It's a message. We don't do it. You know what we do? All we do is believe it. We believe it more and more and more. And if you believe it, then we'll start doing strange things. People really believe it, start acting weird. They start putting away things. They're like, hey, that, I used to do all these bad things. And they find ways to start putting it away. They start doing strange things with their money. I used to, money, money, money. I want my money. And then they start thinking like, I'm going to spend my money for this and give it away to these people. That's what people start doing. And they start believing. The gospel. Um, it says that the gospel, this message about Christ, and it's really, I'm just, sometimes when I just say Jesus, you notice in our church, like I talk about Jesus all the time, <laughs> that we're really big on Jesus it's because the message is about what God did for us through Jesus. And it says it's a power for salvation. And I want to rework this word for you. What does salvation mean? A lot of people think salvation means this. I did a bunch of bad things, and somehow this Jesus person will help fix those bad things, like forgive me, and then after I die, I'll end up in the good place. That's salvation. That's absolutely important, but that's not all of salvation. That's just sort of like the tip of the iceberg of salvation. It, if you read the Bible, it says what I just said there, you'll be forgiven and then you, you get to go to heaven. It says that, but it only says that in so many places. Most of the Bible isn't about that. It doesn't even actually talk about that. Most of the Bible has, has things like this. Um, there's a brother, he's jealous of his other brother, he murders his brother. <laughs> There's a guy, he, he has two wives. 
he really has a hot for one wife. She's prettier than the other wife. And so the other wife is constantly trying to have babies so that she'll love him more than the pretty wife. I mean, it's things like this. It's about depression and anger and war and racism. It's even about the demonic. Because sal- you know what salvation is really about? God's going to take every, all the whole world and redeem it and heal it. Oh, it's so sweet. That's salvation. Salvation isn't just me and, and then I just get to go to a good place. Salvation is, 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 a, is depression. Salvation is anger. Salvation has to do with addiction. Salvation has to do with poverty. Salvation has to do with war, racism, hatred. I said even the demonic. We have these movies today. You go watch a movie and... And there's some of them, you know, this person has a demon in them, and they, you know, and then, and then, like, so this weird thing comes out of them, like, that's what we think the demonic is. Um, actually, there are demons, and they're actually much worse than the movies depict them. And evil is much more banal. But it comes up like this things like, um, uh, my dad always wanted to get rich. He, his, his, uh, he lost his job in a recession. He started drinking. Found out he was addicted to alcohol. So my mom left him. And so I got super sad. And ever since then, I have this voice that's in my head that says, you're nothing. It'll never be good for you. Nobody loves you. And that's when I started doing the crystal meth. And then at some point, it said, just die because nobody cares. That's a demon. And I said earlier in the portion of my sermon, I said that the world thinks it's so arrogant and so narrow that we believe that Jesus is the one way to salvation. Not just to find salvation for you, right? Jesus is the one way to salvation. Um, is it really so narrow and arrogant to believe that? First of all, I think, just objectively speaking, if this is what salvation is about, and if this, I mean, we, 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 I just described somebody you know. The divorce, the voice in your head, you probably have that voice. Some of you have versions of that voice. And that is happening. And let me ask you, who has an answer for this? Is it really so narrow? Do all these other so-called good people with all their other different religions and their education and their righteousness and their wisdom and their training and all these other things, do they have an answer that can actually have power for salvation to really heal the world? Hmm? Does anybody have it? I don't see it. Why is it so offensive if one set of people say they have it? The worst case scenario is we're just idiots. Especially since we're not violent. We're not violent. Everybody thinks we're trying to take over. I don't think we're trying to... I don't see how we're taking over. In terms of the power of the politics of this... We're clearly losing. 
And, but actually, in terms of the real deep problems of the world, we're not losing at all. I don't know if you know this. Um, I meet people who have had those demonic voices and have been really close to suicide, and some of them are in this church. <laughs> and they have met Jesus through the gospel. And there has been power to change them. I've seen it. It's not even, it's not even, oh, it's not even an idea. It's not even a doctrine. It's, like, it's real objective reality. I've seen it. I've seen it. I meet that person. I, I experience it on a regular basis. So, it is, it is truly a word of life. I see death all over the place. It is truly a word of life. This person, Jesus, oh, it's like he's invisible. Isn't that a fairy tale? No. Um, I have a lot of sympathy for people who don't quite yet believe in Christianity. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a natural-born skeptic. <laughs> um, I like evidence. <laughs> Show me evidence. Uh, there's a lot of people who think that what we think is nonsense. Um, even people who are in the church. I've met a lot of people who grew up in the church. They say they're Christians. And yet when it comes to God, it's like, salvation? Come on. Like, I, I, like, you know, like My life is like kind of not working out. Where is this God here? And so many of us... Um, we don't quite know how he does it. And then I start talking about this power. Well, actually, let's talk about the power. There is a power for salvation. But it's not quite what we think. It's different than what we think. Most people um, goes, okay, aren't you omnipotent? You're almighty. Can't you just do it? Like, I, I need a job. I need a girlfriend. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I feel bad about myself. And so just fix me. Fix me. But in our modern, uh, secular way, we're so impatient. I think we're the ones who are arrogant. Um, if we have a problem, we think that you can stick it into, like, boop, 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 boop. you know, we have this machine called the microwave. We think life can be like that. You have a problem, stick it in there, hit one, you know, hit minute plus, and you just wait, and it pops out, and it's fixed, right? It's just the way it wants it to be. We actually think, shouldn't it be like that? Shouldn't we just be able to have, we actually think that if you just kind of have certain techniques and then if you give certain people a pill, that like they'll, they'll, they'll do it for their depression. But it doesn't actually work. And actually more and more we know it doesn't work. And we're so impatient. But God's way of working is different. His power is different. The Son of God left his throne and he came and the power he came with was holy love. Let me say the gospel this way. Jesus Christ lived the life we should have lived and died the death we deserved to die so that he give us a new life we could never have earned. What was he always doing with his life? He's always offering love with holiness. It sounds very simple, doesn't it? What's holy? Holy is this religion-y thing that people do, these monks that go, that's not what holy is. 
Here's what holy is. It's to do something good with utterly no sin. No agenda. No lie. No deceit. It's just pure. It's just a pure good that you offer somebody. That's holy. You can do it. And it's hard. Most of us don't. Even any good that we do, it's mostly got like some agenda or some BS. But every now and then, you can actually do it. And when you do it, it's, like, it's actually just a little piece of holiness. But Jesus lived his whole life like that. And he did it with love. That's the power. And he came into the world with holy love. And we killed him. We didn't just kill him. We crucified him. And he still loved us. He died and we thought we got rid of him. The demons thought they crushed him. He defeated them. And now if you believe that and follow him, holy love can start, at first it won't seem like much, can start to well out of us. And that has the power to save the world. Not selfish. I'm going to close this um, message. You're like, okay, that's all. Those are really great ideas. Um, I think it's, I can say this to people, um, it's happening. It's happening in this church. It's happening around us. Wherever people really believe in the gospel and will begin to obey Jesus, it's happening. This power is happening and it's saving. I don't know if you know, all around the world, do you know that people are coming to Jesus? Everybody thinks that Christianity is a white man's religion, but millions of black men in Africa and women are, are getting saved. I mean, in a few years, everybody will think it's laughable that, that people think that Christianity is a white man's religion because there's so many more Africans, Christians, than there are European Christians. They're probably, it's already, they've probably already blown past the number of European Christians. And all around the world, People know how deeply broken it is, but they know there's a power for salvation and they're starting to get curious about it and this power of salvation through the holy love of Jesus is actually breaking out, healing people all over the world. And you just can't see it. You just need to see it. Most of you don't have eyes to see it. We're so distracted. This is what we do. Like we, 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 our whole life is just so fixated on the wrong things. And so, yeah, I'm going to just let you in on a little secret here. Pastor, how do you come up with all this stuff? They probably have a whole pastor. How does he come up with all this? He's, he must like sit around in his room and like cook up these sermons. Actually, sometimes when I don't have an illustration, you know all I do? I just tell you the things of God that I see. I see it all the time. Sometimes right here in our own church. I'll close out this message with, um, so this happened in my vacation. I'll just tell you, couple of stories from my vacation. Um, I went off to uh, the East Coast, to New York, New Jersey area, to visit my in-laws. Um, I did a little work. Uh, a lot of my vacation was sleeping <laughs> and reading books and magazines I like, catching up with old friends, and eating a lot of good food. But I actually did a little bit of work. And um, so for those of you who aren't a regular in our church, uh, we have this calling from God, and for several years, we've been going out to a Native American reservation out in a little, a little town in California called Bishop. It's called Bishop Paiute Reservation. 
If you've ever, if you've ever been on, uh, on a Native American Indian reservation, it is, they're usually not good places. There's rampant poverty, fatherlessness, drugs. Um, this place, it's, uh, it's alcohol and crystal meth. I have no idea what crystal meth even looks like, but apparently it's rampant at this place. Um, there's death. Every year we go out there, somebody has died. A 20-year-old has died. A 40-year-old has died. A 60-year-old has died. There's been suicides. Um, a lot of the men are in jail. Heck, the women are in prison for drugs. There's just death. And one of our callings is there's a little church there for these Native American Paiutes is to help them find a real gospel preacher, so they can have, so they can say we're not ashamed of the gospel, and it's the power of God for salvation. And um, it's really hard to find somebody to go out there, <laughs> but we got a live one. <laughs> so he hasn't said yes yet, um, but I feel like you know, we're, Jesus says, "I will make you fishers of men." So we, I, I'm trying to fish a man to go fish other men for Jesus, right? Um, fish Paiute men for Jesus. And there's a guy from the East Coast uh, who answered our call to possibly be a pastor out on this reservation. His name is Cliff, Cliff Walling, and he happens to live in central New Jersey. My, my brother-in-law is in northern New Jersey, so since I was going to go out in northern New Jersey, I gave Cliff a call and said, Hey, Cliff, remember me? And he's like, Sure, Susan. Let's Can we hang out? He's like, Absolutely. Come on down. And so... You know, I hopped into my rental car, and um, he lives in South River, New Jersey. Never been there. Very. Let me tell you a little something about Cliff. Cliff is, um, he's white. He's Caucasian. His, his wife is two. He's in his late 50s. Cliff, when he was a young man, was in the Marines. Cliff went to battle and had to deal with, with they, we didn't call them that back then, Back then, today we call them radical Islamists or something like that. But they had them back then too. And one of them drove a truck right into a bunch of barracks and killed more than 200 Marines. Those were Cliff's buddies. <laughs> Cliff came back from the Marines. He had post-traumatic stress. And um, he turned to alcohol. He had grown up in the church and accepted Jesus when he was... A, a, a boy, but he had forgotten all about Jesus since then. And it was only when his life was falling apart, the woman he was with, she left him, and, and um, Jesus pulled him out of the addiction and out of the self-hatred and all that. He worked for the sheriff's department, and he was active in his church, and you know what Cliff likes to do in his spare time? This is what he does for fun, okay? This is Cliff Walling. This is what he does for fun. What he does for fun is he goes to jails, and he tells people about Jesus, and then he watches them change before his face the power of God for salvation. Cliff likes to watch the power of God for salvation. And Cliff thought, when he found out that he could go into a Native American reservation, possibly the pay, he's interested. So Cliff retired early from the sheriff's department. He has a nice house. He has, a, he has two daughters. One of them just got married. Wonderful family. 
So I went to go visit Cliff. He came out to Bishop with us last summer. So I went to go visit Cliff again because he's a maybe to go to Bishop. He's like, okay, we're still not sure yet. His wife is the one who's not sure. And so I wanted to go visit him again and said, hey, remember us? Don't forget about this. This door's still wide open for you, buddy. <laughs> right? Turns to his wife, I'm like, Kim, this place is glorious. <laughs> you will like Bishop. <laughs> you will love the Indians. You should go out there. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm selling here, okay? I'm trying to hook this fish for Jesus. And uh, we go to his house, and he lives in a really modest three-bedroom house, but it's really warm. And he has three dogs and a cat. And I, told, I walked in and I said, I hate cats because I'm allergic to them. So he's kind enough to put his cat away. I, I said I hate cats before I knew he had a cat. <laughs> and, then, and then I saw there was a cat. I was like, oh, crap. Shouldn't have said that. All right? um, but but he, he, he was, he's super kind and he, he didn't care. And um, I even made a joke when we were out in Bishop about running over cats and he laughed. And so now I finally he has a cat and I'm like, wow, he's a godly man. Okay? <laughs> um, his dog came up to me. He has three dogs. And in this Christ-filled house, even the dogs are happy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, wow. I, I saw all three dogs, and a couple of them were kind of like hurt stray dogs. But, they were, but this one dog came up to me. This dog is like a mop. It's like a little black mop. And he's got the little feet. That, like, it's like, you're basically a mop, and he must have feet because he, he roams around. <laughs> and he comes up to me, and, he's like this, and, and, and the tail is like this. The tail is just flinging back and forth, and he goes, no, 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 no. He like goes range on, and then he comes back. Then he runs on, and he comes back. <laughs> so, and so I, I like dogs, so I'm going to go down, and I try to reach down to pet him, and then, and then he kind of roams back. I was like, that's weird, and he's kind of scared. And then, and, but then he comes back. He, he spins around in a circle, and then he comes back to me. So he's, this is what he's doing the whole time. And, and um, so I finally petted the dog's head, and then he started peeing right there on the spot. <laughs> And he has some kind of a tile floor. So apparently this happens very frequently because Cliff just picked up a rag and just went down and he just wiped up the pee. And he, and he said, this one, he goes, this one is really, really excited. Um, it's really excited when somebody comes over and uh, if you pet him, he, he pees. <laughs> so I pet him again. And sure enough, I pet him again, he pees. I said, okay, I'll stop doing that. <laughs> right? And then I said, wow, this dog is so happy he can't keep his pee in. Okay. And we sat in a Cliff's, a Cliff has a study, and he's beautiful wood um, shelves. And he's got all these glorious theology books. I'm sure none of you guys would want to read them, but I'm like, I want to read all of them. I'm like, oh, you got awesome books, okay? And um, he's not a rich man, and there's a guy who knows that he does this ministry to um, the jail. And he said, uh, he said um, you know, when he had visited him in the, in the study, the, the, his bookshelves were kind of like junky and you know cheap, and he said, "Hey, I'll fix this for you." So the guy came out. Apparently, the guy was had like carpent master carpenter training, and he built these incredible shelves. And I was sitting there thinking, "It's a sin to covet somebody's shelf." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, stop, stop, stop." I was like, "But I love these shelves. This is incredible." And we sat there talking about. Native Americans, and he's currently doing a ministry. So this is really weird. He has a, he's a Caucasian guy. He's serving in a Brazilian immigrant church, so he has my job. He's, a, he's an EM pastor. And he's telling me how hard it is to reach second-generation Brazilians. I was like, oh, I know what you're talking about, about the gospel. 
He said, you want to go to a, you want to eat New Jersey diner food? I'm like, sure. So he and his wife took me out to dinner. I had omelet for dinner. <laughs> awesome omelet. Very humble, but very tasty food. And we talked all about the glory of the Lord. And after the meal was over, um, we stood up, and then we put our arms around each other. <laughs> we're, right in, we're in the middle of this restaurant, and it's a diner. And the three of us, we just started praying. <laughs> we started praying it down, and we, we prayed for Brazilians, and we started praying for Paiutes. And, we're like, oh, and he starts going, oh, man. I, mean, I, remember, I would say certain things, and he'd go, oh, man. And, and we embraced. And Cliff said that he and his wife are planning um, a trip out here. So we might get to see Cliff in February or March. They're going to come through this area. His sister lives in Gilroy, and then they're going to go out to Bishop, and I think that's when his wife is going to seriously consider it. Hmm. Pray for it, guys. So that's one thing I got to do. I'll tell you another story on the way back. So yesterday, a long story, but um, me and two of my kids, we took a road trip from Vegas to San Jose. Right? So we flew in from New York, Vegas, drive from Vegas to San Jose, um, I got a crazy sweet deal on a one-way rental, and, and I got a Mercedes. <laughs> I've never driven a Mercedes. It was nice. <laughs> and when I was driving, like, this is how the rich people drive. This is cool. They're like doodads and this thing. I don't even know what's going on. I was like, what does it do? Who cares? Right? And... Um, but uh, well, there was traffic and so forth, and um, we weren't planning to, but we ended up eating lunch in Barstow. Anybody ever been to Barstow? Right? It, it's, 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 it's not a happy place, okay? It's, a, it's like a town where everybody just goes through, and it's really poor, and it feels like it's a world that people have forgotten. So I yelped it, found a, a pizza joint, Four stars, 55 reviews. That's about as good as it gets in Barstow. Right? Route 66 Pizza. It's pretty good, by the way. So we went. There weren't that many people there. We ordered our pizza. We sat down. You know, like my wife and other daughter, you know, because she still got a little bit, she has a little bit longer before school. She, they're still back in New York. So it's just me and Hudson and Elizabeth, and the three of us are eating our pizza. And there's a family sitting right there. And the older lady, she strikes up a conversation and said, don't you like the pizza, etc.? She goes, I, I've never been here. I live here, but I have never been here, but it's such wonderful pizza. And you could tell they're having a special day. But here's what the family looks like. Um, this lady, she's probably in her early 60s. And she has another friend. She's probably similar age, maybe. They're all white. Three ladies, they're all white. It's in her early 60s. Her friend is in her early 60s. And there's another younger woman. She's probably in her mid-30s. They're all overweight. And when you look at them, you can tell that life has beaten them down. They look like life has dealt them some pretty bad hands. And they look kind of beaten down. And they look kind of worn and tired. And with them are three kids, three boys, about seven, eight years old, wonderful boys. They were all well-behaved. Um, two of them were white, and one of them was black. And the lady who was speaking to us, she treated those boys with love, 
I think at least one of them was her grandson. Maybe two. Maybe all three. I think the younger woman was probably her daughter. And the other woman was her friend. And I don't think her... Because her friend was not as kind to the kids. She just seemed to be kind of tagging along. So my, my guess is she's a friend. This is grandmother. Probably the daughter. One or all three of them is her kids. Something like this. And we had a nice conversation. And when I was looking at them, I said... I was thinking this. This is what I was thinking. I was thinking, life has dealt you a bad hand, huh? I was thinking... Where's grandpa? Where are the dads? Where's the father of these boys? That's what I was thinking. And this simple pizza meal, this very affordable pizza meal, this is a special day, isn't it? It's a very special day for them. You know what I started thinking? I was thinking, do they have a cliff walling? In their life, does anybody share the gospel to them? You know why? Because when I was talking to them, they're just like the people we meet at Bishop. They're not kind of like them. I mean, besides the fact that they're white, except the one boy is black. And they're not Native American, but other than that, it's the same as exactly the people we meet at Bishop. And I was thinking, do you have a cliff walling in your life? Can we send a cliff walling into your life? Look, um, on the outside, it looks like we're very different from them. Different ethnicity, different city, maybe a little more money, maybe some more education. But really, if you were just born in a different place... And if there was a recession at the wrong time in your parents' life, and then they got divorced, and nobody brought the gospel of Jesus, and so one or more of your parents didn't know that there was a wisdom to their sexual life or marriage or these things, and then they broke up, you know how easy it is to hit addiction? to lose your job, and then to end up like this, in Barstow. This is the world. You and I, it's not that different. And before God, when He sees us, He doesn't see us a whole lot different than He sees them. And He sent Jesus. So that the power of God for salvation could come into their life come into our life. Hmm. And that's what God's doing. So this is what I see. Um, I know there are people, if a cliff walling and certain other people, the power of God will start to spill out. It's happening. It's happening in our church. It's happening around the world. It's even happening in Bishop. Please believe the gospel and don't be ashamed of it. In this 2016, don't be ashamed of the gospel. This is the best thing that's going on. The power, the drama of the power of God for salvation is the best thing that's going on. It's better than football or money or elections or sales or how good you look. It's better than all of that. 
not be ashamed and run to Jesus with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I pray for that family we met in Barstow. I, I, I don't know. They, they live far away, and we don't have a personal relationship with them, but would you send somebody like Cliff into their life to help them know Jesus through the gospel? We pray for that there will be many more men and women like Cliff and Kim, where the joy of the Lord even fills their dogs. (laughs) And I pray, Lord, that um, you would fill this church, that we meet people who are sad, and to their sad, we give them our thanksgiving and our joy. We cry with them so they can have the holy love of Jesus from us and through us and thus have the power of God for salvation. We pray that you would dissipate people's anger and their resentment and their covetousness, my covetousness, through the gospel, the power of God for salvation through Jesus Christ. And we pray in 2016, Lord, this church, this family, this family centered and built on the gospel, the Jesus-centered family, would shine more brightly There'd be more love, more holiness, more turning away from our idolatry and our sins, and more turning toward you. We'd have more of you, Jesus. We'd have more of your love, more of your holiness, more of your glory, more of your grace. And we would change, and we would see salvation start to break out around us. We pray for these things, Lord. This is our life, this is our calling, this is our mission, this is our privilege, this is our gift. May we overflow with thanksgiving to you. And we pray that you would make this an incredible year with us and for the people that we get to meet and love. In Bishop, in San Jose, wherever you send us. Receive this worship now. We love you, we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't be ashamed.